Hello and welcome to the Tillage Edge with me, Michael Hennessy. This is your regular update for all your tillage news and advice. The Irish landscape is dominated by grassland and it's no surprise a high proportion of the conversation about farming is based around a grazing animal. From a media point of view, other farming enterprises continue outside the limelight only to hit the headlines when some sort of a problem occurs in an industry. As an example, the outbreak of bird flu in flocks of turkeys is a recent example. The tillage industry occupies about 8% of the land area and according to National Farm Survey, specialist tillage farms are the most profitable enterprise after specialist dairying. The tillage industry is attractive to become involved in whether you're just starting out in college or maybe you're already in the industry, there's certainly plenty of opportunities there for you to exploit. There are many career opportunities in the industry which can be attractive not only in salaries but also a satisfying work environment. To chat about this, I'm joined by Barry Larkin, the CEO of Acorn Group, to chat about some of these opportunities that exist for people in the industry. Barry, can I first maybe just, you might tell us a little bit about your journey before you ended up being the CEO of the Acorn Group. Would have grown up on a farm. I'm from uh, just between Burr and Ross Gray, a place called Cool Derry. Uh, I would have always had a, a very strong affiliation with farming and come do time doing my leaving cert, I had decided that I wanted to do ag science in UCD. Um, I specialised in animal and crop production. And um, I probably gravitated towards the crop side of things in the final years, maybe year three and four, the electives and whatever. And uh, I would have done a master's degree with Dr. Tom McCabe in UCD. I was specialized in fungicides in winter wheat. Um, And I worked with Tom McCabe then for maybe a year throughout my master's uh, and all of the 2013 season um on research and development trials evaluating fungicides and varieties and herbicides and whatnot um so a huge learning experience and um then i decided to move to australia uh it was more of a, a holiday more is what i had in mind and i drove a combine for a while and done a bit of traveling and i got a permanent job there in agronomy again in research and development with calix australia and nationwide company in australia uh, again, evaluating fungicides and herbicides and crop varieties. That must have been a very different experience, very in terms of uh, an Irish type scenario in comparison to an Australian type scenario, was it? Hugely different, but I suppose I wasn't too long out of college. Uh, I didn't get into the, the big bad world of commercialization and uh, research and development trials are pretty much the same all over the place. One thing that struck me into in, in Australia was that um, they still use a lot of products, a lot of chemicals that we banned here. Um, I, I remember the first time I went uh, spraying a Roundup Ready canola uh, trial and I, <laughs> I did second guess myself when I was thrown in a whole load of life set into the spray tank to make, to make sure all the weeds were killed, but pray to God that the, the canola didn't die. And it didn't. Uh, it was great. It was amazing to see. Uh, but it was it was hugely different, I suppose, in terms of scale, uh, in terms of seeding rates, in terms of yields and uh, chemical rates. Uh, so, yeah, hugely different. But I suppose the fundamentals are the same um, and agronomy principles are the same. But to put the seed in the ground, let it germinate, look after it when it comes above the ground and fertilize it accordingly. So. So the skills you learned in UCD were, were, were pretty transferable enough, really, a lot of... Uh, absolutely, like, you know, you spend, you spend three or four years in college and it's it's great, it focuses the mind, but it's, it's not really till you till you get out into the field and start doing things um, that you, you, really, you really start learning what's going on. 
So then you finished up in Australia, obviously, at some stage, and you came back to Ireland, or did you go somewhere else in between? Done, done, done about three years in Australia, three full seasons. Um, so I had, a, look, I suppose I had a fairly well masters at, a master's at that stage, and it was decision time whether you stay there or whether you come home. Um, and I had decided, I was with my girlfriend at the time, now my wife, and we had decided that I, it was probably time to come home. Now, we didn't, we weren't, we had no major plan when we came home. I was just to get a job and see what happened. And at the time, CropLink had been um, purchased by Gold Crop. So CropLink was the was the chemical company, a wholesale chemical company, and purchased by Gold Crop. And they were looking to take on someone. So I came home in December 16, and I started with CropLink in this January 17. So that entailed very much a different role. But the knowledge of everything I had learned in the previous four or five or six years uh, was of huge benefit. Um, I was essentially a commercial role, but uh, a lot of technical involvement in terms of what a chemical can and can't do. Um, so I worked with them for, worked with CropLink for about four years. Um, and your interaction in that was, was it kind of business to business or was it kind of business, business to farmers? No, it, it, it was business to business. So I suppose I would have had a lot of interface with um, with merchants and co-ops around the country. But again, huge amount of importance was to deal with the the actual agronomists who were dealing with the farmers, helping them along, um, I suppose, number one, keeping keeping the price right and keeping the products relevant, but also giving a lot of technical advice uh, okay. where required. Worked with them for four years, finished up in December 2020, and I started in January 2021 with the Acorn Group. So the Acorn Group is just made up of, um, it's made up of about 10 fairly sizable merchants all around the country. Um for all down from the southeast down to Munster and all the way up to Donegal, so they're they're well scattered, but um, fairly relevant in terms of the the agri and the arable uh, sector. Okay, and that was obviously it's a very different role than you're now CEO of that. What what sort of what does that entail? Hugely different, and and look, the CEO is uh, I I suppose I'd almost describe it as a flattering title, but uh, the Acorn Group is made up of merchants of, of members and um the member there's only one of me in acorn and i coordinate the group probably a better term to be used but um essentially the, a lot of it, it involves purchasing and uh purchasing of products chemicals and uh crop packaging and stuff like that um and also uh, interaction and interface in terms of what legislation is coming down the line um and what i suppose uh, what spin or influence that you can have in that so it's uh, more favorable to the Irish farmer in general really trying to see what's coming around the corner a little bit as well I suppose well that's, that's tr- try and get the inside line somewhere yeah sure so if you were to look back then Barry as regards your education um, I suppose look when you're maybe coming out of um, you know the first year or two in college and you're trying to decide a little bit about what sort of what specialism you're going to take or, or even having a look maybe at the UCD kind of crops and animal course. Do you think looking back the it was flexible enough or maybe even specialized enough? Or do, or do, do you think, I suppose, in a general sense that did crops, did it put you at any great disadvantage if you would have decided, no, maybe crops isn't for me, you might go down a different road? Yeah, I, I suppose farming at home were beef and uh, tillage. Um, so I would have had a flair for, for both of those. Uh, never never terribly interested in the dairy side of things. Um, but when it comes to either livestock production or livestock 
produce versus arable. Uh, it was all, I suppose it was always back in the back of my mind that I could go either way. But what really got me thinking about the arable side of things was I had this kind of, I went to Australia as part of my uh, work experience in third year. And I've been to Australia a couple of times before that. Um, and what struck me was if you want to go and travel the world, no matter where you go, if you can, if you have agronomy skills or you know how to grow crops, well, essentially it's, it's the plants or the wheat and the, the rice and the corn of this world that, that feeds the world. Um, if you want to go and milk cows in Europe, well, you're probably looking for a job in maybe Ireland, Western UK or Northwestern France, and you're pretty limited after that. Mm. But in terms of arable production, you get a job in South America, Central America, United States, Canada, Australia, Russia, if you really wanted to go there or any of those places. <laughs> so it's, it's very, it was hugely relevant for, I suppose, maybe the ambitions I had. And obviously you go down different roads and you take different turns and you, I end up where I am today, but still hugely relevant towards the crop sector. And I suppose we do often often miss that in terms of the conversation here in Ireland. It's, you know, we're very much dominated by grassland and therefore dominated by livestock um, conversation, if you like. Whereas if you go to most of the rest of the world, it's um, probably almost a diametric opposite. The crops are very much more so the bigger, the bigger agricultural output of most countries. Hugely so. And even like it's, it's if you look across, the, if you look across the world, it's wheat and oilseed rape. They're, or canola, they're, they're the two big crops that are grown in, in much of, say, outback Australia or um, in terms of rotation in the United States. They're, they're the ones that are, that are grown most. Um, here, while we do talk about livestock a lot, we actually have a huge uh, population of livestock that needs to be fed and we're, we're in a deficit at the moment. And I think there's probably a little bit more of a swing or a bit more of a push towards uh arable area increase to fulfill or to maybe weaken our dependency on imports um, and to feed that population. And rightly so, because sure. the arable sector in Ireland, in terms of the way we produce food, while we produce food efficiently in all sectors we're in, the arable sector has a huge benefit in terms of the environment and the emissions produced in, ter uh, in terms of amount of food produced per acre. So hugely beneficial and sustainability I think is only a matter of time before it comes into it all and that there will be an onus or a requirement on farmers or um, feed blenders or end, end users to, to use more of the native uh, materials available to, to get the end produce. And if you go back, if you're, you've done a little bit of travel around the world, um, you're, you've got a fairly decent insight into the, into, into the Irish um, you know, tillage industry. Starting back from it, how would you rate or how would your assessment or what would your assessment be of the industry in here in Ireland in comparison to oh, you know, some, some of the rest, the rest of the world in terms of our um, you know, ability to, to um, take on new technologies or you know, be, be up to date with the latest kind of things? I suppose we're just such um, <laughs> an old an old country with uh, round fields and um, small, small fields. So when I was in Australia, I would have used a lot of GPS technology, um, uh, big machines and stuff like that. So it, we're probably that little bit behind the curve in terms of taking that on. There are some sizable farmers in Ireland um, 
who who absolutely embrace that and I think are absolutely seeing the benefits of it as well. Um, but we are probably at a bit of a disadvantage in that it's so the arable area in Ireland is very localized in the northeast, the southeast, pockets of the Midlands, and then South Tipperary, North Cork, that general area. Um, and if there was more, if it was a bigger area, if you know, if it was twice the size it is today, well, then I think there'd be more emphasis put on all of those things. Um, but we would be behind the curve a bit, all right. Like in terms of um, the the crops that we grow here, it's it's just a pity we don't have a, a milling uh, a, a milling facility where we have a very a vibrant uh, drinks industry, which is hugely beneficial and hugely important to the arable sector. But one thing we can't get away from is we have a huge uh, beef or beef and dairy sector. But and I'll go back to it. They, they need to be fed with grains and we can probably increase our native grains to fulfill that gap. So there's there's plenty of opportunity out there. When you're looking at the, the ag merchant business, and obviously uh, that's kind of where you're, you're very much uh, based at the moment. What sort of opportunities do you think are out there for maybe somebody who was either maybe, you know, doing their leaving cert this year and thinking of going into college or maybe some early starters in college or maybe even people who might might, might be in the industry as it, as it exists? What sort of opportunities do you think are out there for people to 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 develop within the tillage sector? I suppose the simple answer is there's lots of opportunities. <laughs> um, if, if we had, uh, if we had, a, if, if I had five uh, good candidates come to me today, I'd be confident I'd get each of them a job, <laughs> put it to you that way. There is a shortage of agronomists out there. Um, and there, there are some ACORN members, but there are equally many uh, other merchants outside of ACORN involved in the arable area or in the arable sector that require uh, agronomists or people to walk crops or to get into that game. And I think there has been a major slowdown, probably in around the time or a year or two after me, that when I left college, that there has been few, fewer and fewer people coming into the arable sector and more and more people going into the dairy sector. While if you look at the numbers going in and out of UCD and look at WIT with the increase in, in their level eight um, offering, there's probably more people going into the agricultural sector, but less and less people going into the arable sector. Sure. So I, there, I think there's huge opportunity in the arable sector. There's plenty of jobs available. It's a wonderfully flexible um, job role uh, to be an agronomist. Um, and it's, yes, you're, you're quite busy for certain periods of the year, but let's face it, you won't be doing a whole pile when the crop is, is, um, is being harvested or when, when there's nothing going on at all. Uh, there, obviously, there's work to be done and you have to learn the business that you're in and what's expected of you. But there are quiet times as well as busy times, and it's, it's quite a flexible uh, environment to be in rather than being tied to milking cows all day, every day. And I suppose even go back to my own career, um, back in the day, uh, I was involved in a little bit of that, uh, crop walking and and in and, and a small merchant. And uh, I'd say half my time ended up um, be, be talking about cattle and cows anyway, even though I was very much <laughs> employed as an agronomist because that's what pays pays the way for the rest of the year. So um, yeah. like it or not, even if you're, even if you're, really into, into crops as I am, uh, you probably still end up doing a, a, a little bit of the, the ruminant um, business as well. Yeah, like, I mean, I suppose, like I was saying to you, there's a huge amount of people that come out of the ag colleges in the last couple of years and they're 
relatively, you know, they're beyond the younger side, uh, and and the age profile in the dairy sector or in the in the in the in the livestock sector in general is probably an awful lot lower than it would be in the arable sector, and that's probably because they've been quite attractive. Uh, there's more onus and more emphasis by maybe government policy and all that kind of stuff put onto the livestock produce. Um, but I think we should see a swing back towards the arable sector. Um, and I would encourage anybody uh, that is thinking of, of a career in the arable sector to be, that I would pursue it. It's very um, interesting and there's lots of very good people in there too. But there's lots of opportunity just going back to probably the age profile of a lot of the businesses. There is there's a huge amount of opportunity to, to carve out a, a successful career. I, I was going to ask you that. There's, do you expect a... a, a um... I suppose, a changeover, maybe we'll put it like that in terms of the industry personnel over the next number of years, do you? Yeah, I suppose there has been a, a changing of the guard ongoing for, for a while and it's happening slowly but surely. But um, given the there, there's quite a, a few people that I would be dealing with and, and that I would have dealt with when I came home from Australia. And let's face it, there's many of them would be older than me. They would have worked hard all their all their career, and I'd say they're probably some of them are probably looking forward to the to a retirement. But one thing that would make them a lot happier would be if they had a couple of vibrant young people coming along behind them, and they are scarce at the moment. Well, look, there has to, they can't keep going forever. He's always on the other side of it. So there's also going to be <laughs> well, some of them. Some of them think they can. Well, sure. <laughs> maybe we'll, maybe we'll all get after there eventually, I suppose. <laughs> their maybe. families might say otherwise. Yeah, exactly. So you, you mentioned you were looking at, uh, I suppose, some of the new regulations, and you're keeping an eye on kind of what's what's coming down the track as well. Do you think that some of those new, um, I suppose, regulations, whether they're around nitrates or whether they're around uh, pesticides? Do you think that'll that'll necessitate even more work for advisors out there, and and, and maybe even be a be, be a bit more attractive to attracting more people into the utilities industry? Yeah, well, I think we're if if you look at, at the current SUR, probably that that's to be implemented in the next couple of years in its current form, it would suggest that <laughs> we're going to require a whole army of 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 new people. Uh, to continue to do what we do in the way that we do it. Um, now, I suppose it, it could very well be interpreted in time in a different way, but in its current form, we would require a huge amount of new independent agronomy advisors um, where there, they are very few and far between. I suppose even looking at Chagusk, the, the emphasis would probably be a bit more on the livestock sector where they would have many more um, uh, planners or uh, experts in the livestock sector than there would be in the arable sector. And if this new regulation comes in its, in its current form, I think there would be a huge shortfall there, um, in, especially in the short term. But there's going back to the emissions uh, and how carbon efficient our, the arable sector is, I think joining both the new regulation together and uh, how important the, the carbon um, footprint of the arable sector is, I, I think there'll be huge opportunity for any new entrants or any new uh, agronomist looking for a career in the Irish agri sector or in the Irish arable sector. Uh, but also if, if people had it in their mind that they wanted to go traveling, like, like in my own experience, if, if they wanted to go to Australia or America or wherever, they can gain valuable experience in the, in those countries and then come home and just 
resume the the, uh, the agronomy experience here. Um, so I, I do I do foresee a, a reasonable uh, draw for for younger people into the arable sector if everything is to come to pass. Okay, so if you were, and the final question I'm going to ask you, Barry, if you were to 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 maybe have a bit of advice for, say, the first year of college graduates who started off in UCD or maybe some of the other colleges around the country, uh, who might be thinking about the crop, you know, maybe a career in crops, what would that advice be? I'd say go for it, <laughs> go 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 for it with with both hands. I can only speak for from my own experience and the mm-hmm. people that I know. Like, I mean, I would have spent with, I would have went to college with plenty of. Um, other guys who went down dairy and root and went down beef roots and whatever. Um, and while look, they're all very happy and very successful in, in their own right. But I also went to college with, with plenty of guys who, who done crop agronomy, um, crop science. Um, and you, you tend, it, it tends to be a smaller industry. You tend to get to know them and be friendly with them and get on with them over the coming years. Um, I think the idea of being able to travel and use your agronomy in no matter what country you are in the world, I think a, a first year ag science student probably should be keeping a, an open mind as to what route they're going to go down. I believe there's a new agronomy uh, or a crop specific course available in UCD. I'm not sure whether it's this year or in the coming years, but I think that's a major benefit to the industry. Um, well, I definitely keep an open mind. And if you're thinking of going down the um, agronomy route, well, I I definitely stay on that track. I, I see I see a great future. Just think of just think of when you're in college, you'll be thinking of lots of things, but you'll also be thinking of the social life and think of all the Irish whiskies on um, <laughs> on the go and all and all the Irish beers. Sure, like I mean, we've only we've only got going on that race in in the last number of years. I, I think there's huge market potential there going forward. There's only one small criticism, Barry, now of what you're after saying there. You should have said that at the very start of the podcast and people might have stuck with us. <laughs> you're saying it at the very end. Stick it in at the start. So. But anyway, if ever there's a, there a ringing endorsement any, uh, of, of, of uh, you know, people trying to get in or people tr- getting into the, uh, the tillage sector, I think, Barry, in fairness, you've, you've done a great job in it. Thanks very much for your time, Barry. Uh, I hope that you might join us again on the podcast in the future. No worries at all. Great, Michael. Thanks a million. So that's it for this week and my thanks to Barry for joining me on the podcast. So finally, don't forget if you enjoyed the podcast and recommend it to a friend or colleague and as always rate, review and follow on Apple Podcast or Spotify so you never miss an episode. And for more information, go to chagas.ie. I'm Michael Hennessy. Thanks for listening. I'll be back next week with more tillage news and advice. <laughs>